Cause we got the alternative energy Molecular free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network Once every three years you can show up to a private place Where you choose the least worst option to represent you You can vote in an election where the bar is so low that not denying climate change is seen as progressive. It's too late for that. Saddens me that the adults who can do something about it aren't. Every day we are faced with more issues directly correlated with climate change. Every day we wake up to a slightly more chaotic world. And when Melissa Price, just before the calling of the election, what a disgraceful... What a disgraceful act that is. What a disgraceful act. Melissa Price, what kind of environment minister is that? If after May 18 we end up with a government that will not act, and if we are left with only our bodies to oppose this mine, if it takes putting our flesh between the future and the past, between the bulldozers and the earth, if it means a blockade of the Adani site, then I, for one, will be there. Hello and welcome to the Radioactive Show. I'm Michaela and today we'll be bringing you recordings from their final event in the Adani convoy as they arrived at Parliament House on Sunday 5th of May. We'll hear speeches given by Wangan and Jagalingu traditional owner Adrian Boragaba school strikers Tali Mullins and Tess Carlton and writer Richard Flanagan, the Adani convoy, set off from the Tarkain and travelled along the east coast up to Wangan and Jagalungu country in Claremont before travelling to Canberra for the event we'll hear on the show today. All recorded by Earth Matters presenter Rebecca Horridge. Last week we brought you the appalling story of the Yaliri uranium mine approval with Environment Minister Melissa Price signing off on the contested mine proposal the day before the federal election was called, reneging on a prior commitment to wait for the outcome of legal proceedings currently in the WA courts. We condemn the federal approval of the Yaliri Uranium Project as secretive and driven by politics rather than due process. And the story of the Adani mine approval is the same. On the eve of the election being called, Melissa Price gave the approval for the Adani Project's groundwater management plans, giving the highly contested mine a green light and blatantly revealing that the decision was not based on scientific or environmental evidence. Let's hear first from Adrian Boragaba. My name is Adrian Boragaba. I'm the leader and spokesperson of the Wangan Jagalingu Family Council. We are a sovereign tribal people and we declare sovereignty over our lands. There's been no treaty, there's no war, and there's no session on our land. So we claim our land through our sovereign rights. And just as uh, I stand here today on Nolawal country, I respect uh, their ancestors on whose land I stand and the law that dates back to time immemorial. Because when we talk about law, we talk about first in time, 
first in law. This was the first law that was here. And the law is in the land. It's not a law of man. So whatever they write for us doesn't apply to us. Only the law of the land is the thing that determines who we are as a people. It is our past, it is our present, it is our future. This is our dreaming. And this is why we stand so strong against the Adani project. Because... It's a part of our dreaming which is being affected. And um, I want to uh, pay respect to um, the Bob Brown Foundation and, and Bob himself for um, allowing, allowing me to have a platform to bring uh, the truth to people because there's so much lies and deception out there and uh, we don't agree with uh, this fraudulent misrepresentation of what the First Nations people are being represented by this, um, this fake government because uh, they're, running, they're running a, um, um, a protection racket around uh, Adani. And this, this guy, Matt Canavan, this so-called um, you know, speaker for Aboriginal rights, the resource minister, Mr Canavan, and uh, this coalition government have done everything within their power to take away our rights. On two occasions in 2012, all of the Wangan Jagalingu people sent Adani packing. We kicked them out and they didn't have an Ilua then. And then again in 2014, we kicked them out and we said, you're not going to have our land and there's no agreement. No means no. No contract, no consent. We haven't consented to that mine and it's not going to happen. No contract, no consent. No means no Adani. And that's why we say no to Adani. There's never any agreement with um, fraudsters, no. you know, and environmental terrorists. He's an environmental terrorist. He knows nothing about mining, coal mining in his own country. There's one coal mine in his own country. And when he, when he, he set that mine up, he destroyed the whole place. Yeah. And all the indigenous people there and the whole country. I mean, the man's a polluter. We don't want him to come to this country here and bugger up the whole system. Because he doesn't care or less. His company, he owns a shelf company and he can write off all the tax and everything. He'll go in there and he'll, he'll knock the guts out of that country there. He'll have a great big hole in the ground, fracture the environment, destroy the aquifers, destroy everything that's in the land. You always, you've got the science, you know this. But the thing is this, we're saying this is not going to happen. Not on our watch. And we won't, we won't stand for an illegitimate government misrepresenting the First Nations people. This coalition government, go back to when um, John Howard was in power and they put in the Native Title 10-point plan. The 10-point scam, Aboriginal people know it as. It's a 10-point scam. And, and they did at that time then, what they did, they changed the Native Title legislation. They, they changed the Racial Discrimination Act to suit the Native Title. That's what they did. When we talk about Native Title, we talk about First Nations people, law and custom and culture that's in the land. Not, not to go and, and um, um, be subjected to a, a racist piece of legislation like the Native Title Act. Now, this government here, um, in the first instance, when um, George Brandis was here, um, what they did, they, they, uh, they amended the Native Title um, legislation to overrule rule the McGlay decision in uh, Western Australia. And that McGlade decision said that um, majority doesn't rule, but you have to have a consensus for all Indigenous land use agreements. 
So the federal government here, what they did, they amended the native title legislation so that Adani could get his Ilua. Because there's five of our families with 120 to 200 of our people opposing it, the government, the federal government stepped into our court case. This is how serious this is, folks. This goes deeper than what a lot of people think. And so th this, this coalition government has gone right out of their way to silence our voice. And they've allowed Adani to do that. This foreign mining company to come into this country. And you talk about like, you know, how, um, how is Adani involved here? This, this is the, the Adani election. This was, that, was the, that was the Adani Native Title Amendments. This is how much this guy is affecting this country. And people like Matt Canavan are running around talking about Aboriginal rights. What would he know about Aboriginal rights? He wouldn't know if it fell on him. There's National Party up there in central Queensland, you know, with Michelle Landry and uh, George Christensen. Just have a look at them. These are the people running around on my country and my ancestors and saying what's right for Aboriginal people. That government does not speak for us, and they don't represent us. We, we sent a submission, and I'll read you a little bit here. This is um, in, on the 31st of July, 2018. It's just a brief s summary, uh, introduction. I mean, I don't usually do this. I don't usually read in public, but you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> we, the Wanganjagalingu, we are the Wurdi-speaking people. We write on behalf of the Wanganjagalingu Traditional Owners Family Council, the representative and decision-making body of our people, to respectfully request that the Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination use its early warning and urgent action procedures to help stop the irreparable and devastating harm to our people and our culture by the imminent destruction of our ancestral homelands, waters and sacred sites and with them our culture, by the development of the massive Carmichael coal mine and the rail project, the Carmichael coal mine in the state of Queensland, Australia, and to the imminent extinguishment under the law of our rights and in interests in part of our ancestral homelands. This is what Matt Canavan tried to go around in this country. He stood up there in the Parliament House there with, with those other people who were like, I want to sign their land away and they want to destroy their country. Part of the 294 people they keep spruiking about and they wanted to go in public and they wanted to tell the world that it's okay that like um, the United Nations doesn't have to step into this country and tell them what to do about how they treat Aboriginal people. And when Melissa Price, just before the calling of the election, what a disgraceful, what a disgraceful act that is. What a disgraceful act. Melissa Price, what kind of environment minister is that? That's, that's not someone that cares about the environment. Get rid of her. Get rid of them out of there. They know nothing about the land. They know nothing about the environment. And when she granted that water license to Adani, that was it. That was a declaration of war upon the Wanganjagalingu people and our sovereign rights and our ancestor, our ancestor spirit, which is the Mandanjara, the rainbow serpent that, that feeds the Carmichael River, that feeds into the Baliando, out to the Burdekin and out to the Great Barrier Reef. We're connected from the, salt, from the fresh water to the saltwater people. And we're connected through our totem here. This is our moiety. That's the eel. That's the wakil borough, the wakil which is from that area there, which is in the Carmichael. This is what we want to protect. It's our law. First in time, first in law. And if they try to usurp the sovereignty of the tribes, 
this country will be classed as uncivilised. We don't want uncivilised governments. We want responsible government to stand up and protect our rights. Okay, I've got to make this short, okay, folks? But um, seeing this is like a leading up to an election, I have to talk a bit of politics, okay? You, usually I just talk about culture and stuff, but it all, it all ties in. I just want to make mention that um, I drove down here last night and I got here, I've had two hours sleep, and I just, uh, I almost didn't come and I just thought, oh, okay. But on my way through, I came through Nimbin and said hello to them there and they're having a good time there in Nimbin. But, you know... Um, I've, I've made it here and thank you for allowing me to come and share with you and to share our story because it's not over. We're going to the full bench of the federal court. We're going to knock that ill you out and then we're going to win. And Adani can't have our land. And thank you for your support. Thank you for helping me to get down here and get back. Thank you very much, folks. Stay strong and stop this Adani mine. Thank you very much. All power to the people. You're listening to the Radioactive Show, heard across the country on the Community Radio Network. We just heard Adrian Boragaba at the Stop Adani Convoy event in Canberra on Sunday 5th of May. Next up, we have school climate strikers Tali Mullins and Tess Carlton, followed by an excerpt of a speech by writer Richard Flanagan. to first acknowledge the Ngunnawal people who are the traditional custodians of the land on which we speak. We acknowledge their elders past, present and emerging and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I want to go further to recognise the ongoing fight the Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islanders have in their country to receive the recognition and reconciliation they deserve. We understand that their fight is linked to ours for climate justice and we will always back them in their struggle. By recognising the oldest living society on this planet, a society that survived for 40,000 years living sustainably on this land, as a part of a culture that cannot live in harmony with nature for even 200 years, it is worth reflecting on what their society can teach us going forward to a better, more ecologically friendly society. At our previous strike, Scott Morrison and Matt Canavan played their fearful hand when they told us to go back to school. They were so afraid of our movement, even before it happened, that they presented themselves so weakly as to plead with us to return to school. On Friday, I and my closest 300 school friends went to Zedza Selger's office on strike to demand he listen to us. And he closed his office! Three weeks before an election, he closed his office because he was so afraid of us. I'm not particularly scary as an individual. My friends just laugh when I say I'll fight them. I wouldn't say personally, I exude the kind of power that could strike fear into the hearts of our parliament. So it raises the question, why are they so afraid? 
Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister, hopefully not for long, what do you have to fear from a 17-year-old girl? I am just a drop in our ocean, but the ocean is made of drops. We won marriage equality with a conservative government, not because the government was so kind in giving it to us because they had a change of heart, but because we mobilized and we demanded it. As Martin Luther King said, freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor, it must be demanded by the oppressed. The powerful can only govern with the consent of the governed. The powerful can only allow Adani with our consent. Do we consent? No. The powerful can only maintain a fossil fueled based economy with our consent. Do we consent? No. <laughs> there are a few ways you can make change. Once every three years, you can show up to a private place where you choose the least worst option to represent you. You can vote in an election where the bar is so low that not denying climate change is seen as progressive. It's too late for that. Andrew Lee came to our strike on Friday and he told us that the Greens would never form government and you can't have perfect, so you should accept good. Well, I have a few things to say to you, Andrew Lee. We have 10 years to stop the catastrophic impacts of climate change. It's not 50% renewables by 2030 is slightly better than the Liberals party of 26%. It's 50% is nowhere near good enough. I am seeking perfect because we do not have the time not to. At this stage, 50% renewables by 2030 dooms us all. So whatever you do, make an informed decision in the polling booths, but also remember that this is where our real power lies, on the streets, in strikes and protests. The government knows it and they fear us. That fear has to be the catalyst to force change. Do not let up the pressure. Do not let up the movement. Fight until we have won. Thank you. My name is Tali and I'm 16 years old. We're all here today because we know that climate change is a fact. A fact that cannot be ignored anymore. A fact that cannot be swept under the rug, hidden from sight in the pursuit of money and business. Climate change is a fact that many have chosen to ignore for decades and it is destroying my future. When I think about my future, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that my experience and life on this planet will not be one of nature and beauty, but rather of concrete and smog. I'm afraid for the thousands of animals facing extinction because we have destroyed their forests and boiled the ocean. I'm afraid for us, the children of today, and I'm most of all, I'm afraid for the children of tomorrow. I went on strike from school on Friday, sacrificing my education in the hope that people like Andrew Lee, who turned up to our strike, and Zed Sezelja, who didn't, will listen to our cries of panic and act. I can't vote, so I'm using my voice the only way I know how. We had a Q&A session with Andrew Lee, and all he really had to say was that Labor is better than Liberal. He failed to mention an effective, decisive policy on climate change. 
the mums and dads of Australia understand that their children's lives, our lives, are at risk. In this climate election, if the candidates want to get elected, they need an effective, decisive policy on climate change. I know this, and I am only 16, so it saddens me that the adults who can do something about it aren't. Every day we are faced with more issues directly correlated with climate change. Every day we wake up to a slightly more chaotic world. And now I speak directly to those opposed to people like me, striking from school to change the world, who think that there should be less activism and more learning in schools, who say that we aren't adults, so we shouldn't act like ones. You know what I say to that? <laughs> Simply, that we'll stop acting like adults if you stop acting like children. Thank you. In Townsville, there are unprecedented floods. And in the South, heat is so extreme, it pushes at the very edge of livability, which has become every day. The person who wrote those words is one of our great truth tellers, and that's Richard Flanagan. Please welcome him. Thank you. What a day. What a crowd. It's terrific. I grew up in a remote mining town. I know the hardship. I know the tragedy. One of my earliest memories is a whole town stopped for a miner's funeral. Family after family lining the main street. One people joined in grief. And when politicians talk of caring about minors, I don't believe a word they say. If they cared, wouldn't they be advocating to end black lung disease, a 19th century industrial disease now returned because of unsafe working conditions to kill Australian coal miners in the 21st century? Wouldn't they be speaking out about the increasing casualisation and pay stripping of coal miners supported by the Morrison government? And if they cared, wouldn't they question whether Adani is an appropriate business to employ Australian miners? Adani, such a friend of the working man that, when building its giant Shantagram luxury estate in India, it housed its workers in conditions so appalling that there were 15 recorded cases of cholera. Put a high-vis jacket on that corpse and say you're still for the working miner, Scott. But then Adani's aim long-term isn't to employ miners under whatever pitiful conditions and awards its paid-up political mates might legislate. As Adani Mining CEO said in 2016, when we ramp up the mine, everything will be autonomous from mine to port. In our eyes, this is the mine of the future. That's right. Adani's ambition is ultimately that its mine is all robots. Not a miner, not a driller, not a driver in sight. So the promised 10,000 jobs that turned out to be 1,462 jobs will in turn vanish like the mist as Adani buys in the robots. But that's not all. 
Modelling by Wood Mackenzie shows that if coal mining in the Galilee Basin, led by Adani, goes ahead, coal production in older, less efficient coal mines in Australia will drop significantly and many coal mining jobs will be lost. Adani's new mine simply steals the jobs off the old mines. Jabbering jobs, jobs, jobs in a hard hat doesn't change these truths. It doesn't make a politician fair dinkum. It makes him or her a lying clown who sells every coal miner in this country down the drain for another backhander from their mates in the fossil fuel industries. And those coal mining communities of Australia deserve better. They deserve the truth. They deserve a responsible transition plan, not these lies and deceit. Because Adani's mine is not happening to help miners. It's not happening to help Claremont or Mackay or far north Queensland. And it's certainly not happening to help the poor of India. It's happening because of one thing and one thing only, greed. And that greed now controls our politics. How can Scott Morrison claim to care about climate change when his political survival now hinges on a deal with Clive Palmer, a man... Um, a man whose own massive Galilee Basin coal mine is dependent on Adani getting up. What exactly did Scott Morrison promise Palmer for his preferences? The Liberals' platform is nothing more than a smoking coal heap. You're tuned to the Radioactive Show and we just heard from Richard Flanagan and school climate strikers Tali Mullins and Tess Carlton. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening. The Radioactive Show is produced in the studios of 3CR in Fitzroy, Victoria, on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nation. The recordings were made on Ngunnawal Country by Rebecca Horridge from Earth Matters. Thanks so much to Beck and all the speakers today for sharing these vital messages. Earth Matters is also available via the Community Radio Network and if you want to hear more of their work, you can find all their podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. To find out more about the Wangan and Jagalingu campaign, go to W-A-N-G-A-N-J-A-G-A-L-I-N gou.com.au Whatever the result at this election, we know that we'll need to be ready to take these campaigns to the next level in order to push whatever government is in power to remove these mine approvals and also to push the most vital issue of First Nations sovereignty to the forefront of any campaign. We can only hope that the election results will allow the greatest possibility for us to affect the change that is vitally needed. 
and hopefully the actions and collaborative work of the various organisations and First Nations people that aim to put campaigns like Stop Adani front and centre during the election period will have been given the momentum for that to happen. I'll leave you with some words from nuclear-free campaigners Dave Sweeney and Kirsten Blair in answer to a question at the Fight for Country documentary screening in Melbourne late last year to celebrate the Jabaluka blockade that stopped the proposed uranium mine on Mira country in Kakadu 20 years ago. I'm just asking a question on behalf of Leone. Do we have to do the same thing to stop Adani? I'm not sure if we have to do the same thing to stop Adani, but I am sure that we need to be prepared to do the same thing to stop Adani. I think that we know now in this country that the impacts of climate change are huge. We've got a short window to take serious action and we have in this, in, in this country we're the biggest exporter of coal. We're home to 40% of the world's uranium and we've got to turn it around so that we're not a domestic or international driver and user of dirty energy. And you know, if that is fight for country six set in central Queensland, so be it. Yeah, I think one of the things, and I've had quite a few conversations with people about this, with relation specifically to Adani and the fact that, I mean, as I mentioned before, from the outset, Jabaluka was mirror-led and supported, and that structure, for a raft of reasons, hasn't been able to be the way that the Adani campaign has evolved to date, but the argument is there that that could certainly be, it could be a more collaborative and alliance-based campaign than it is at the moment. And I think that would only make it stronger. It's complicated and hard, as Anthony alluded to. Those kinds of alliances are. But working together with traditional owners is definitely a better way to go for any of this stuff. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.